Mess It Up podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's Biker Chick and the Bowtie Guy. Welcome to the Mess It Up podcast. I am Biker Chick. And I'm the Bowtie Guy. That's all I got. That's it? I brought the front part in. Oh, mercy. <laughs> all right. Well, um, this is uh, a weekly podcast where we try to take a mess and turn it into a message. It is that. And hopefully uh, you get something out of it that you can share with people. Uh, if you don't share our podcast with other people, other people aren't going to hear it. And that makes you greedy. And so we don't want you to be greedy. You're just offended everybody that listens. Good job, Paul. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not everybody. Because everybody shares. Woo! Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. So just that's the right. greedy people <laughs> are being offended right now because um, they're not sharing. They want to keep it all to themselves. So, you know, spread the good news. Uh, one of the fun things about our podcast, besides us. Besides me? Besides you, besides me, <laughs> is the fact that we have a word of the week. We do. It's the big wow. I can attest to that. <gasps> Oh, that was so super sly. Telephone. That was so awesome. Our word of the week is a test. And what does it mean, Paul? To provide or serve as clear evidence. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and this is one that I was given by uh, my friend Josh in uh, the prison nice. the other day. And he said, hey, you know, he loves, he is so much the word nerd. I mean, he loves to just bust it down. Like, this is what you think the word means, but this is what it really means. And it's changed into this and all that so it's just he loves that kind of stuff if you ever want to get josh going talk to him about the word fable he loves that nice yeah so we might bust that one out a couple weeks from now but we'll see what happens but today it's a test and i can attest to the fact that i love doing this show with you me too i love doing it with me yeah that's what i was gonna ask (laughs) oh my goodness you're feeling so spunky today um so it is uh, our 41st show. Craziness. We are closing in rapidly on that one on year, year mark. That's so amazing. What are we going to do for our year show? We've got to figure that out. If you have guys s- have ideas on what we should do for our big one year show, email it to us. Where would they do that? They would email it to me at bikerchick at com. What if they wanted to email it to me? Well... Why don't you tell them? It would be bowtieguy at com. And if you want to email our interns and they will forward to us promptly, you can email info at com. That sounds outstanding. I forgot also that uh, I've been forgetting to tell people about all of our cool stuff on social medias. Yes. Uh, we are on the Facebooks. We are on the Twitters. We are on we the are Twitters. We are on the Insta jams. We are on the Instagrams. We do all of that fun stuff. Uh, so if you search for Mess It Up Podcast on those different social media sites, uh, that will help you out a lot uh, to find us. And we love to interact with you. We put pictures up. We do all kinds of things like that. So uh, please check us out on the uh, social medias. Social medias, yeah. yeah. Um, so this week, my friend uh, Josh, he always likes to steal my pad of paper and write to me. And so he put this down, and I thought, that's kind of an interesting thought. He said, discretion is being able to raise your eyebrow instead of your voice. Mm. And we kind of talked about that a couple weeks ago, yeah. that whole yelling uh, to get someone's attention kind of concept. Right. Um, but I just thought about that whole idea of, you know, being able to discern that, you know, for me, discernment's a big thing that I've had to learn. Um, 
I was a wild cannon for a lot of times. And like right. our, our song of the week last week, I was reckless and wild. Yep. And learning how to tone that down and rein that in and, and bring it into some sort of semblance of reasonable behavior has been tough for me. Yeah. And that idea of the teacher look is what I think here. You know, as a teacher, that was something we talked about in, in our student teaching was, hey, do you have a good teacher look yet? Can you look at them like a teacher? Can you get people to quiet? And that was something I worked on and I could do that. I could give people a look. Uh, just now, uh, the dog was in the studio and I looked at it <laughs> and I just gave the dog a look and the dog stopped doing what it was doing just because I gave it a look. And I think it's so much more powerful to not have to yell. But sometimes that look can do damage as well. Do explain. Well, my kids always used to talk to me about having the look and I didn't know I was doing it. Now, when I was yelling, I knew I was yelling. Right. And I knew I was doing it with intent, but my face would betray my emotions and my kids would just get this look on their face of just like uh, trepidation or fear or just like worry. And they're like, you're giving me the look. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, you're giving And I'm like, no, I'm not really. And, and I didn't know what it was. And I still don't know what it looks like. But I remember having a conversation with my adult daughter and her saying that she was nervous talking to me because I would give that look and it would just express such disapproval. Right. And it was crushing to her right. that look that... She just wanted me to say what was going on. And so the discernment is also knowing what to say, when to say it, how to do it. So it goes beyond just volume of the voice, I think, for me. So I think of just all the different ways of communication as you're talking, because uh, nonverbal communication is a big deal. Yes. So I can understand that. I can understand the communicating things that you don't necessarily intend on communicating because of your nonverbal communication, you know, whether it's rubbing your hands, you know, balling up your fist, um, showing some sort of tension that brings tension to the air. There's a lot of ways I think that we can add to that negative response unintentionally. And that's definitely communicated out into the air. Yeah. I get worried. Uh, sometimes when I'm sitting, I don't know what to do with my hands. And so I will cross them, especially if it's a little chilly. Now, when I go into the prison, they keep prisons a little colder than other places. Well, except for my house. Right. Um, but so I will sit with my arms folded or crossed. And then I think, okay, my body language is showing aggression. So then I'll uncross them. And then the next thing I know they're crossed. And then I think, oh, am I going to accidentally push my alarm button because it's by my pants or, you know, my belt of my pants. And, and then I'm all in my head and now I can't focus on anything real because I'm worried so much about what is my body language showing. And I've had that when I've been in meetings with people before, like, okay, what body language am I showing? Especially if I know the person I'm meeting with is a huge body language person. See, but I, I gotta go into my own personal interpretation of that because I think there's a difference. You can look at somebody who is closed off because there's a tightness in the crossing of their arms. There is a tension throughout their neck. There is a tension in the way that they're displaying their body. So yes, there is an aggression that you can see when there's an aggression in the heart or the internal side of a person. If there is not that aggression, then your shoulders are gonna be more slumped. There's not gonna be the tension riding in your neck. There's going to be different factors that show you're cold, you're not angry. Right. 
and I just and crossed so, my arms. I know. Yeah. And so that I think maybe we look too deep into things that are stereotyped categorically yeah. as bad things when necessarily they're not. And I'm not sure if the person sitting across from me is some sort of, you know, armchair psychologist with, you know, just enough knowledge to do damage or if they're a little bit more wise like yourself. And and sometimes I know that the person sitting across from me is a nuck, you know? <laughs> so why don't we just concentrate on being our truest selves? Instead of thinking all about what other people think. Well, <laughs> Paul's face right now. That's is a like, great idea. I can't. Uh, and I would that. totally buy into that if I wasn't so cotton picking codependent. <laughs> I know, that's kinda why I went yeah, there. I, I, I am too. Yeah. But I really am. I'm I'm so busy thinking about what other people think or feel instead of just relaxing into the beautiful person that I truly am. And that's why codependency is so crippling sometimes. Right. And it's it's an insidious cripple because people don't necessarily understand it right and they write it off Mm -hmm. uh i was in a group yesterday and the person leading the group was talking about the fact uh, they they said something about you might not have a uh you know a a, i forget the exact where they but you know like your addiction might not be one of the bad ones right and i was like Er they're all bad right any addiction can be crippling to any person who has it because the fact that it's an addiction means that it's taking precedent over everything else. And that's what matters to me right now is that, and sometimes it's, I've got to make this person happy. So that's what matters to me the most. Right. No, I agree. I I hate yesterday. I was not feeling well. I was coming home from uh, the prison and I had uh, free tickets to an event that was not too far away from where the prison was. And I accepted the tickets because it was right there, but I just didn't feel up to going. And all the way home, I wasn't upset that I was going to miss the show. I was upset because I was not going to be able to use the tickets from the person who gave them to me and I didn't want to let them down. Right. Now, I was contemplating doing what was not in my best interest because it was in my best interest to come home, get in bed and heal. Right. And I was contemplating not doing that because I didn't want to let my friend down. And isn't that crazy? It's absolutely I nuts. I do that all the time. I do that all the time. Actually, I came back last weekend and apologized to you for putting my recovery first. I was like, sorry, I had to do it. Yeah. You know? And well, it's still nice that we make the decisions like overall. Yes. Overall, I understand that my health is the most important and I need to go home and I need to rest. But there's a lot of anxiety and tension and just nervous energy and all of that that we're expending because we're overthinking the other side of it. You know, wow, I'm such a disappointment to this person. And the other person can be just like, oh, okay, I see you did what was right for you. Good. And there's no thought past that. Yeah, and it's a constant chess match in my mind. Yeah. I'm like constantly playing this master chess championship, trying to think five moves in advance and just exhausting myself for no good reason. And that's where I was about to go is people say that that might not be a bad quote unquote addiction, but you're physically hurting yourself. Yes. As a codependent and the stress and the anxiety that you bring upon yourself because of the way that your mind operates. And there could be some physiological things going on. I don't know. I know for me there is. Right. And I know that for me that a lot of the um, obsessive compulsive type thoughts in certain situations, you know, 
could very well just be physiological. And it's not like I can just talk myself out of them today. Right. Hey, I'm going to feel good today. Let's go feel good. Yeah, um, try harder doctrine. Right. And so it's it's super easy, and I've been there. I'm not going to lie. I am an alcoholic. I am an addict. And so I'm like, well, I, I conquered a meth addiction. What's codependency? Um, now that I'm a codependent, which I've always been, I just now know that I am. So it's not like it hasn't been there. Um, I understand, like, uh, no, this is harmful. This is physically harmful. Um, the stress that I carry around and the things that I do because I'm trying to please. And I'm pretty much codependent over my husband mostly, but very codependent over everything else as well. And it's it's stressful. Yeah. And, and I'm sure there's a kabillion studies that show that stress is yes. horrible. The domino effect of all of that is yeah. just, and, and that's what makes it, in my mind, so insidious. People understand, oh, I take the meth and this happens to me physiologically and psychologically and socially. Right. The codependency, it's not. We're just, we're able to be functioning codependents for much longer yes. in our lives. Yes. That's a good way to put yeah. it. I like that. Yeah. So, um, our song of the week this week is one that you brought to us. So uh, yeah. let's let the people know what it is. It's Holy Spirit by Francesca Battistelli. And I love this song. I love it. Um, I know it starts with Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And wow, if that is not just how life should be every moment of every second is welcoming him into our presence. He's there to open heart and welcome him in. And I could talk and talk and talk, obviously. We haven't even heard the song and I'm ready to go at it. So here is Holy Spirit. So I've heard that song a whole lot and played it a lot in our worship team. Uh And it is just top to bottom, an absolutely fantastic song. When you mentioned that that's what it was, I was like, I'm not sure if I know that song. I was like, oh, I know that song. You know that song. Yeah, duh. I love it when that happens, by the way. When I don't think I know something and then I find out that I do. That's kind of cool. So what was it that made you want to do this song, Christina? It's on my top 14. So I have a playlist on Amazon that consists of 14 songs that I play 
on repeat all the time. So I don't necessarily get a lot of new songs in there, but these are for one reason or another, every song on here speaks directly to my heart. And is this like a, this is, I just play it because I need to have music on or is like, okay, I need to go get my list right now. Cause I have lists like that. That is like, I must hear this now because I need this speaking into my life. No, it does it all. It's, I can just listen to it, listen to it. Or if I know I feel I need some uplifting, this does it. It's just an all inclusive list of every important song in my heart. Yeah. And that's only 14. Crazy, right? Well, so, you know. this made top 14 nice. on Christina's list. Nice. Because I just, I love how it welcomes God into your experience. It welcomes him into your now. And there's not many times that I consciously stop and go, God, I welcome you here. Thank you for being here. And so it, it talks about repeatedly. <laughs> Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. And isn't that the best place to be? I think for me, the peace of experiencing the presence of God is is just the most awe-inspiring place I can be. It's just the coolest thing. When I feel my spirit move, when I feel the stillness in the air that comes for me, when I feel that just peace, mm-hmm. it's the best thing in the world for me. And so the song is inviting him into that space with me. And I just don't do that a lot. Yeah, the, um, my mind always latches on to the lyrics. And I think when I'm playing this song, I think about the times where I'm going to like, all right, I'm going to stop playing notes and raise my hand right. at this point. And it's always um, where uh, in, in, I don't know if it's a verse or a chorus or whatever, but the part where it says, I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. And here it is where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Yes. And that's so important to me, that undoing of the shame, because I've, I lived under that lie, that, that umbrella of shame and guilt and fear and everything that comes with that for so long that, that the lack of that is what frees me. The lack of the shame is what makes it so that I can raise my hands in worship or I can get on a podcast and talk about things or I can write my story down in a book and want people to read it. That's, that's where Jesus lives for me is in the ability to just let go and, and let it happen. Right. Yeah. No, I wasn't going to go. Freedom, the freedom. <laughs> cliche. Right? I was waiting for yeah. the, the cliche. Totally waiting for that. And that just reminds me of, uh, something that was kind of on my mind the other week is owning, owning our stories. And once we own our stories, uh, they can't be used as tools against us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying diligently to find the email that I sent in, but of course it fails me at the oh, moment. I can find it with the interns. I'll get the interns. Would you get to, the interns on that? Because I love the way that I had worded it, but basically it was, you know, I know a lot of people who are afraid to tell their story because they don't want to be judged. Um, and to me that equates that there is still shame in that. And, um, the judgment of other people's is too big of, uh, an issue to bear. So Jafrella, I I don't even know what to say to that right now. We really don't have a (laughs) Jafrella as an intern. Paul's a ding dong. (laughs) 
So I had emailed in because this was something that was just, I was mulling over in my mind and how to say it. And your past cannot be used against you if it's in your hands. If you possess your past and you are accepting of it and you hold it in yourself, like you hold it tight, um, then people can't use that against you. It's no longer their tool. You know, you can't use my hammer if my hammer is in my hand. Right. You can use your hammer, which really doesn't affect my hammer because my hammer is different than your hammer. Well, and as soon as I take it out of your hand, now all of a sudden it is my hammer. It is your hammer. Yeah. But I've got to let it go for you to take it. Yeah. Or I'm going to punch you with my left hand if I'm holding it in my right hand and you try to take it from me. Like there's going to be some fight there Mm -hmm. of saying, no, no, this is, this is mine. You can't have this. And so the other thing that I had put is if you have made peace, there's no shame in what others say about what you have done. That's a mouthful. And, and that, that doesn't mean, cause this is something I think a lot of people and I've gotten tripped up over. Doesn't mean that people aren't going to try. Oh, absolutely. Just because I got my hammer doesn't mean some fool's not going to come oh, up yeah. and try to take my hammer. They're going to try to use the shame on me. They're going to try to turn around. People will continue to try to belittle and berate us. Absolutely. Because of what they want us to be. Because people will be more comfortable with us if we're less than we are. Absolutely. And if they can control us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it doesn't mean that you're not going to come and try and whack me with your hammer. Yeah. Absolutely. You're going to try and take me out if that's what your, you know, initial thought is, is, hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get her, I'm going to get at her no matter what, but your hammer still leaves me with my hammer in my hand. Yeah. So it's now a tool that I can fight back against your issue with because I own it and, um, I always go back to something the day before I got married last August, my husband heard my testimony for the very first time. And I think it floored him that he was marrying a woman who could openly share the deepest, darkest things from her past with confidence. And he's just like, Whoa, the woman I'm about to marry just told everybody that she sold herself for drugs. What is going on here? And he really was taken back by it because he doesn't understand the, the freedom of recovery. He doesn't understand what it looks like to own the fact that, yeah, I didn't walk out and be like, Hey, I'm going to prostitute myself on the streets. Thankfully, there are other people that have done that and it's owning that and saying, yes, I sold my body so that I could get the drugs that I wanted. I sold my body to get, you know, the position at the bar that I wanted, the, the money, the whatever, you know, and it wasn't always that conscious for me. It wasn't like, look at me, this is what I'm going to do. But looking back in hindsight, it's what I did. Yes. And so when somebody walks up to me, I was like, Oh man, you're a drug addict whore. I once was, you're right. I once made a lot of mistakes, but that's not what defines me. And that's not who I am today. And that's all about what we're here for, right? Exactly. Taking exactly. those messes and turning them into messages. Because there's a freedom. There's absolutely a freedom, in my opinion, in owning your past. You know, I don't want to go back and relive any of it. Thank you. We'll go ahead and leave that there. But I'm not ashamed of it, and I'm not trying to hide it in the past. I'm okay with what it is. It's what it taught me. I am the individual that I am today, and it's given me a ministry and an opportunity to share God's glory 
And that was a lot of words. Yes. I'm not used to talking that much. So on to you, Paul. <laughs> so what I'm thinking of is the teacher in me is thinking about when I would teach kids because uh, Jean Piaget said that all education is self-discovery. Mm-hmm. And what he meant was that, you know, people learn by, by experiencing and discovering these things. But what he was not saying is sit back and just wait until they hopefully discover it. You know, if I want you to learn about animals, I can just hope that you do, or I could take you to a zoo or I can show you a movie about, or, you know, and, and present you with these opportunities. If I'm hoping that people will learn from my mistakes and make my pain have value right and i don't do anything about it and i'm just hoping that you stumble across it at some point that's not the smartest way to do it right it's much more advantageous for me and for you if i take this and present it to you so that you can see what happened why it happened and how you can learn from that but if i'm just keeping it in the shadows and then you know you stumble on it, it's like oops so that's why, like, when my wife is gone, I'm like, look, I'm not doing the dishes. I'm not doing the laundry. I'm not making the bed until I'm ready to do it. Right. Because there's no, you know, surprises there. And when she comes home, the bed will be made. The dishes will be done. The laundry will be done. It'll all be put. It'll, it'll be nice. Right. Um, but it's not just these, you know, just the surprise, the gotcha type of moments that don't tend to work the best. Well, that's like, I, I'm pretty confident that I can say I don't know a lot about my husband's past. I know some big ticket issues that he's gone through, but um, to sit down and to hear most people tell a story of their past, it's not just something people do all the time. No. You know, testimonies aren't just something, you know, Joe Schmo down the street is going to be like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to be at Starbucks giving my story on Tuesday. You can come hang out and hear it. You know, it's definitely a recovery, a definitely, you know, a, a growth centered experience for people. Yes. And I think it's important, like you were saying, it's so important for people to understand things about me, especially those that I'm intimate with. You know, so close friendships. I definitely want them to understand where I come from and why I am who I am today. That's important to me. It was important to me for my husband to hear my testimony. I was a little uh, nervous on some of the things that he was going to hear. It's not that I had held them back. It's just conversation never presented the opportunity for me to share those things Mm -hmm. with. And a testimony is something I choose. I choose to tell all of my story within my testimony and not let anybody use those things against me when they find them out and stumble upon them later. Right. You know, there was one thing um, I never put in the podcast, or not in the podcast, I never put in my testimony until after I'd already given my testimony three or four times because there was still shame attached to that piece. And God finally pulled that away from me, and I worked through that with my sponsor, and I was able to say it. And it still makes me nervous when I say it in my testimony, but it's not something that I allow people to hold against me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just because we say that having that, uh, weapon in our own hand doesn't make it a not dangerous thing. Right. Doesn't make it a not painful thing. I've hit my thumb with my own hammer many times and I'm not going to go down to Starbucks with a bullhorn and be like, check it out. 
here's what I did 20 years ago. Right. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Right. Uh, so, you know, using it, using it wisely are two yes. different concepts. That's a really good point. Can you expand on that? Well, I can actually. Um, so I, I would always, you know, talk when I talk about a toolbox, the concept of screwdriver and, and hammer. Yes. And a screwdriver is great for putting a screw in. And there are certain applications where a screw is the right tool to have. You know, yep. a screw is going to hold something better than a nail. Yeah. It just does. However, when I build a house, I don't put it all together with screws because it'll just take forever and a nail will get the job done. So then I pull out my hammer and get that done. Um, when I'm telling my testimony, I remember one time a, a group asked me to share my testimony with them at a luncheon. And I was like, you know my testimony? Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah. Well, they had forgotten my testimony. All they knew was, hey, here's this guy. He works at the church and, you know, he does this recovery thing. And they forgot, oh yeah, he molested his, his daughter. Mm -hmm. And so I came in and I could just see the faces before I started like, this is going to ruin some lunches today. And I just went ahead and went for it. Yeah. But I was the wrong tool at that time. They didn't learn anything from it. And I was there, so I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to use this as, you know, I don't know. God's going to use it. Something. God's going to do something with it. Yeah. And, and so I, I went ahead and did it. But if if I go to the middle of Starbucks and just start shouting out my story, yeah. I'm going to be a crazy guy right. yelling out salacious details of things that people don't want to hear or know. Yep. And I'm just going to be a thorn in their side. Yep. And a thorn in the side doesn't do any good for anybody. No. You know, it's, no. I mean, Paul had one, but he did not want one. Right. And it was there to, as a reminder. But, but if all we're doing is annoying and agitating in the name of Jesus, we're, we're cursing the name of Jesus. We are, right. we are taking I, his name in vain. I agree completely. Yeah. And the other thing that came to mind is, you know, if I'm in a conversation with somebody, I lost my mom when I was 10. So I lost her very young. And so if I'm talking to somebody who also experienced a loss at a very young age, you know, I'm not going to start talking about my meth addiction. You know, it, it really doesn't make sense to right. mesh those lines. You know, I'm open to talk about my past and if it goes there, then we can talk about it. But yes, definitely understanding the tools of our past and where to use them and apply them is definitely uh, a thing of wisdom that yes. you learn. And I chuckle because I am over six years into recovery and I still learn something new about who I am, how my past is intermingled with my present day, um, what to do with that, what it looks like, all of that stuff. And so I think, you know, you're how many years into your recovery? I just got my uh, a 15 year coin. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And you know what I realized? Huh. It's... It's been 16 years. I goofed up and counted wrong. You are hysterical. <laughs> I'm a year behind. Yeah. So now you get to get your 15 and your 16. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. fantastic? Well, Josh told me, he said, hey, this just means one year closer to getting your 20 than you thought. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But we learn over the years. Like, I'm sure you're not stagnant in your recovery. I'm sure there's no. something that you learn about how your past relates to your present all the time. I hope that that happens on a daily basis to me because that means I'm still working my steps and I'm yes. still growing. And, and that's why I titled the book still in beta because I don't want God to be done with me at right. this point. I, I still want him to be molding and shaping and purposing me for different things. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. 
Yeah. So, um, yes, that is uh, the half hour mark that we just went past. So that means it's time to wrap this rascal up. Wrap it up. Um, we are all over the social medias, like we said. So Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. Please check us out on those. And please engage in the conversation. Uh, come to our Facebook and, and make a post. Or on yours, make a post and, and link us in there so we can get people talking. Because that does yeah. get the story and the word out to more and more people. And if you're enjoying it, somebody else will enjoy it as well. So please share those things. And uh, also you can email us. If you want to get a hold of the interns, they live at info at messituppodcast. Me- Somehow I got this accent now. Info <laughs> at messituppodcast.com. My personal email is bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com. You can reach me at bikerchick at messituppodcast.com. And we are here. Uh, I mean, we love doing it, but we're, we're here to be useful to you. So we want to share your story. Don't keep your story under a basket and, and for no one to hear. Email us your story or your ideas so that we can talk about your thoughts and, and feelings uh, on the podcast. Or we can have you on a call in uh, and be on the show as well. It makes it great when people grow with you. So thanks for being here. We'll see you again next week. Ta-ta. <laughs> Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up.